0: To the backdrop Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your host and co founder of New Club, Matt Considine. Today, we welcome a very special guest. Lifelong golfer, family farmer, and golf course developer, Will Anderson of Landman Golf Club joins us on the backdrop. Landman, of course, is one of, if not the most anticipated openings of 2022. It's the first-ever 18-hole golf course created by the duo of Rob Collins and Tad King of King Collins Golf. We caught Will on an exceptionally busy week just after opening up for member play, already hosting Nebraska's State Mid-Am, and fully opening for public play on September 3rd. So we really appreciate Will making time for this and coming on to be a part of the show. Today, we also have a new partner of The Backdrop to introduce – one which our astute audience will be no stranger. Found in over 80% of PGA Tour bags, the official partner of New Club's Founders' Cup at Bandon Dunes this October. Yes, we're talking about the number one shaft in golf, True Temper. Manufacturing shafts under several brands, including True Temper, Project X, Aerotech, and Acra, they're trusted by over 80% of PGA Tour players each week it's dynamic gold is the winningest shaft of all time think about that pretty crazy with steel graphite and multi-material shafts in a variety of weights and performance characteristics true temper has a shaft to help every golfer improve their game we're super excited to be teaming up with the folks from True Temper. They were very supportive of our 100 hole hike effort to raise money uh, for youth on course back in June. And we're very much looking forward to having some fun with these guys for the remainder of the year. Now, without further ado, on to the show. Will Anderson, welcome to the backdrop. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good to be with you, especially during such a busy time. Uh, I believe Landman is opening for public play on, what, September
1: 3rd? September 3rd, yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, there's been in my little circle of golf dorks uh, before I get too far into the, the chat with you. Um, give me the pronunciation. Give me the correct one. We're talking to the founder, the creator, the developer, the, the man himself. How do you pronounce? Is it Landman? Well, <laughs>
1: No, this is how I pronounce it. Just landman. Landman. So no D no D's.
0: Yeah, no D's. That's what I thought. I was even like referencing Danish, you know, pronunciation sites just to see. And uh <laughs> Landman. Well, dude, uh, there's been a lot of excitement, um, especially in our little corner of the golf universe, around what you guys are doing in Nebraska. Um, excited to talk to with you about it today, but you guys you're you're getting started with a bang. There's a little event at at your course today, right?
1: Yeah, uh, the Nebraska mid starting tomorrow, two day event, thirty six holes. Uh, right now, we got practice rounds going as we speak. Um, you know it, that that really wasn't the start. The start was last week at, for members and guests week. So we we got a lot of good feedback. Um, it went well. The course held up, which was good. So we're we're getting our feet wet.
0: Tell me uh, about the um, decision to get started with the the Nebraska Mid Am. You know, not many courses kind of open up to uh, a big event. I know, you know, my the Mid Ams I play in, in Illinois and uh, some other states. They're they're kind of a big deal, right, for that that um, age bracket of golfer. Well, what what was the decision to to get them out for your first go?
1: Well. I I like to play competitive golf. I used to play a lot of competitive golf and I always look forward to the Nebraska mid a.m. every year. So, you know, starting it out with something I, I truly enjoyed doing uh, and playing in that event. I thought it'd be a good deal. And, you know, just let my fellow competitors see it first. And I mean, the reception today so far, and it's only nine in the morning, but uh, they're pretty damn excited.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Now, will you be in the field?
1: Uh, no, I backed out about two weeks ago when we don't have enough employees to uh, make this event a, you know, a top-notch event. So right now, I'll probably be cart kid or I'll be doing the uh, the concession stand on hole seven.
0: <laughs> amazing, amazing. I, I, I read something recently that heard uh, y- you've been running hard at, at doing whatever is needed to, to get the place ready. And uh, I'm excited to hear A little bit more about that today. Before I get too far along, though, I wanted to um, kind of set the stage for some of our our listeners and our members that are are, uh, with us today. So your family has been farming the area of Homer, Nebraska for, is it 80 years?
1: Oh, well, I'd be fourth generation. Um, My great-grandfather came over in 1920, so just a little longer than that. But, you know, he didn't start farming until, well, oh, probably a couple of years after he got over here. But, yeah, I'd say 80 years would be good.
0: And what does the Anderson family farm? Or what's your guys' kind of main main crops?
1: Uh, just corn and soybeans. Corn and soybeans. Yeah.
0: Is growing no. corn and, and is growing turf grass the same as growing corn and soybeans?
1: <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it has similarities, but uh, there's a big difference between farming and running a golf course or maintaining turf on a golf course.
0: Yeah, I got to imagine there's uh, <laughs> quite, quite a quite amount. Of, what, what are the biggest differences? Well, I mean, what like when you when you approached and I want to hear about the growing because I think you were you guys did that yourselves, right? Or
1: um, Yeah, to a certain point uh you know we sodded the whole property so out you know the fairways tea boxes greens uh bunker faces were all sodded everything outside that we seeded it you know with a big big um uh brilliant cedar um yeah we we had a crew come out you know and lay the sod but we were pretty much in front of them and behind them you know smoothing it out getting it ready for them and then after the fact watering it in uh making sure that it was going to survive so yeah we had a huge part in uh the sod
0: yeah, is there at least some uh, equipment overlap between the what you need for soybeans and corn and and what you can use on the golf course
1: uh, uh well tractors came in very handy uh you know we we were told you know two D D8, two d8s would probably do the job but then once we got into it and started moving a little dirt you know the job got bigger it was you know expanding and, you know, Rob and Tad were saying, or more Tad was saying, we'll probably need more equipment. And I said, well, like scrapers or, well, you know, something to move earth a long ways. And so we used our 9530s and 9510s to pull some 17 and a half yard scrapers, which we didn't expect to do, but it was lucky that we just had, you know, tractors just sitting around. Right. <laughs> and so <clears throat> it's,
0: I'm going to take a step back. and. I, the the origination point of this i mean you guys uh have a, a lot of land that is you're used for growing soybeans and growing corn and it's been in the family for all these years when did the fir- when did you first have the thought of uh we can put a golf course out here when did that first cross your mind
1: it probably first crossed my mind when i was in high school uh so that the piece that landman sits on um, Is in CRP, so that means crop reserve program where the government uh, pays us not to farm it, so it doesn't erode, just because the slopes are so steep out there. So we pretty much it's been in grassland uh, since the '80s, since I was born. So in high school, my dad used to just pay me and my friends to go out and cut cedar trees down, just volunteer cedar trees. So we were out there, you know, a couple summers just knocking down trees, and that's pretty much when the idea came. Cause I started to get into golf about that time too. I mean, really get into golf and, you know, I, I felt like this would be a neat property. Granted, I had no idea how to put a golf course there, but I thought it'd look pretty damn cool if it was a golf course.
0: And so that, that stuck with you, uh, the, the cedar trees, is that, was the whole property covered in those or was it, a bit sparse i i read something that it they, they, they was detreated at, at some point was that really was that just you and your buddies chopping away
1: no oh gosh no we we were just uh picking out the ones that were coming back so my when my grandfather bought it in 77 uh it took him about four years to clear all the oak cedars you know any type of brush that was out there i mean there was quite a lot of different trees out there and just past that point, you know, they farmed it for three years after he cleared it and then put it in that crop reserve program. Ah. But, you know, you always get cedar trees popping up. They're, they're like weeds.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And then that's a, a program where it's just too severe to farm. So the government asks you to, to, to not. And so that that's why it's been n- unfarmed for what, 30, 30 years.
1: Yeah. It, the crop reserve program is for more than just you know unfarmable ground. Uh, it's just letting the ground sit and breathe a little bit, so you're not constantly working the dirt, you know, taking nutrients out of it, um, just to preserve the ground.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And then so so you have this idea when you're when you're a high schooler, but then you you do build a golf course, Old Dane in 2012, right? So tell me about about Old Dane.
1: So Old Dane was, was an old golf course called iron horse and built in 2000. And my father purchased it after the previous owner um, got cancer. So in 2007, he bought this property thinking, well, we'll just turn it back into farm ground. Uh, Nothing really happened with that till 2010. And I had moved back from college by that point. And I just said to him, you know, We're sitting on this piece with, you know, irrigation on it, you know, some turf that's still somewhat decent uh, clubhouse, you know, cart shed. Let's just let's see if we can turn this back into a golf course, maybe just nine holes instead of 18 holes, because it sits on roughly about one hundred and ten acres. So it's kind of compact for 18 holes. So all we really did was just went back in there, used some pre existing greens, but then reshaped them. Uh, just because the vent was already dead on them. Uh, some fairways we reshaped really the irrigation stayed intact. We just cut off the stuff that was in between to old previous holes and took us about two years to do that process, to get it back up and running in 2012.
0: Man. And so was the, were you, is your father a golfer? Uh, he's. I don't think he's ever golfed in his life. <laughs> so, because <laughs> that's what I'm thinking to myself is how do you sell? So you know, he's got this land; it's going to be farmland. You, you got to sell him on a golf course. Uh, most you know who aren't obsessed with the game might might scratch their head at that idea. Was he was he supportive or was it kind of like Nah, that's let this be.
1: Um. He, he was supportive. He, he's a he likes to do social events. So you know if, if he can go talk to somebody. If somebody's in a you know at a place, he'll definitely show up for dinner or anything like that. So having a social area, he was all for that. The golf course, you know, it was either you know, if we turn it into farm ground, it's not going to be a social event. It's just going to be a piece of farm ground. Yeah. So he thought yeah, if we put a golf course there, people will come eat. We'll have a restaurant, you know, place for him to go. And at that point, you know, he's in his sixties and he wasn't retiring at any time. He still hasn't retired, but you know it's a good place for him to go for lunch. And that's kind of what he thought he'd get out of it.
0: And and, and you did some of the, the shaping yourself, right?
1: Yeah, we did. We did some of the greens, um, you know, some of the fairways, but yeah, it, it, the way it sat, um, I'd say we only moved for fairways, probably three, three or four of them, but all the greens were redone.
0: I mean that so many of us that grew up, you know, doodling in our our notebooks about golf holes and dreaming of of being an amateur architect. I mean, you you got to do that. I just find that so interesting. Um, on a smaller scale, of course, with with the nine holer But I'm just curious what what did you learn from that experience? You know, what was
1: what was it like <laughs> that that building a golf course is not easy, but. <laughs> We the crazy part was we had the bones there and you know, just moving some of these greens, but then getting grass to grow on the greens, you know how the irrigation worked, you know what type of fertilizer we need because it you know that was considerably different in my mind than you know farming and fertilizing, you know and crops. So it was I don't know, it was a whirlwind probably for two whole years where we didn't even know what we're doing while we were farming. but luckily, in, you know, in the whole grand scheme, um, and it, I shouldn't say luckily, but we had a flood in 2011, and that was while we're building it, and our farm ground was being flooded at the same time coming up from the Missouri River. And a gentleman called Pat Fisher called me that year because he lost his job at Dakota Dunes because they were underwater. So Pat came out uh, as the assistant superintendent there, uh, worked for us for the whole year of 2011, and pretty much got us on our feet to understand how to grow turf. Mm-hmm. And then the crazy part about all this is Pat Fisher is our superintendent up at Landman now.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a serendipitous tale there. It was that came together.
1: It was. It was a rough year, but what we got out of it was somebody pretty special.
0: Preordained by the gods, right? When the when the floods came, they connected. <laughs> Pat Fisher to Will Anderson and the rest is, is history. No, that's so cool. I mean, just the, the, the fact that you, and that was news to me, honestly, when I, when I heard about the project at Landman and, uh, and, and everybody, you know, getting excited. Then I I stumbled across old Dane in the 2012 I'm like, Oh wait, this guy is a multi-time course developer. He knows what's (laughs) going on. This is wild. Uh, So just, you know, that, that process, I think he, Talk about it now, I guess a lot of what happened with Landman is now um, makes a little sense because you had that first, I don't I don't want to call it a trial, but you had that first run in with oh. your own, with Old Dane.
1: It was the trial. It still is a trial down there, but <laughs> Old Dane, Old Dane is getting better and better every year, just like I hope Landman does.
0: What's, um, uh, any hopes for Old Dane down the road?
1: Yep we're well uh you'll be the first to know uh we're probably going to redo it here in a couple years um and change it into 12 hole routing get rid of our range and then you'll have a 12 hole loop a nine hole loop and a six hole loop so whatever how many holes you can play that day you have an option of doing more or less
0: wow that's uh that's cool you probably know a guy who's made a few of those. uh they'd get a little bit of acclaim but uh that that's exciting i I had no idea that that would be part of this but yeah man i mean uh, i got to check out the original version before you guys tear it up and redo it you know i want to be that guy that's like oh "Oh, i saw old dane before before you even knew about it
1: (laughs) oh don't worry two uh two more years it sounds like we'll probably do it fall at 24 oh cool
0: cool all right. So, uh, let's get to, to land, man. And, um, I want to know the kind of the goal when you started, I mean, you had this idea of, a of a big golf course and, um, you know, doing a full 18, uh, you, you had old Dane as an experience, but what, what was the, the main goal when you, when you said, all right, we're going to build this.
1: The main goal is just to have a fun, engaging for community driven golf course. Not in my wildest mind did I think that we'd get to this point. Um, I, I think it was one reason why we picked Robin Ted just, uh, on the grand scheme of golf architecture, I felt like they were up and coming, you know, kind of the cult following. And I felt like that fit, you know, what I was looking for, for a golf course, but it, for how big it's got so far. I would never have imagined in my wildest dreams we'd even be here.
0: Is, is that uh goal? Is that still what motivates you? I mean, I obviously we're in the yeah. early days of you guys opening, but is it, it's still the same as it, has the goal changed at all?
1: It hasn't changed at all. It's, yeah. it's stayed the same.
0: Yeah. It, it, that's really neat because I, I think, um, when I when I read about it, and I think some of the the best places I've been have very, I don't want to say simple missions, but they're clear. They're very clear missions and you know, mm-hmm. something um playable, fun for the community, like you say. That's those are the places I want to hang out. I I know it starts with the person that originates it, right? And that's that's you and your family. So um that's that's really cool, man.
1: And, you know, just to that point of keeping it a community-based, local-based golf course, um, we're already seeing the writing on the wall for this year, next year of, you know, how quickly tee times filled up. And I still am (laughs) trying to figure out through this off season how to keep local tee times available uh, just so people from around here can still play it if it does get popular. That's, that's one concern. I know it's a good concern to have, but I I constantly am thinking about that just because I noticed even this year in September, I think we have probably 93% is out of the area that is going to play the golf course as opposed to 3% is from this area.
0: And what's the, uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely, I mean, I'm not surprised one on that 93% based on, you know, (laughs) folks that have been watching, uh, but like, what's the population of the area? I'm not even that familiar with Homer. Is is it, uh, is it a big golf community? Tell me a little bit about it.
1: No, no, Homer's just, I think our slogan is little bit lively. Nice. <laughs> I don't know what that means, being 500 people. But <laughs> um, no, it, not really a golf community, just a farming community. You know, we have a K through 12 school there, uh, one gas station, two bars. You know, it. It's just a uh, almost a sleeping community, also for Sioux City. Also, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a sleeping community. Cool.
0: Well, you know, I, I I've been fortunate to travel a little bit and see some models of popular places that uh, do find that balance of, of local you know, community golfers with the visitors. Uh, most yeah. of which, uh, unfortunately, most of which are over in, in Scotland, Ireland, um, the UK. A- have you been over there at all?
1: Nope, we were supposed to go in 2020 in April, and you know what happened. So yeah, yeah. we couldn't make it over there. <laughs> well, no. So yeah. we had a shot to play. Oh shoot, we were uh, set for Meerfield, North Berwick, uh, Kings Barn, Prestwick, uh, Western Gales, Oh Dunbar, and then try the old course if we could get on. But yeah, it, it all got shut down.
0: Well, once, once you do, you know, I mean, the golf is, is incredible. And I've heard a couple of these places compared to your place already, uh, Cruden Bay, me and my friend, Jim Hartzell, he he knows that Cruden Bay is one of my favorites on the planet. And he he was up at your place last winter, I believe. And he said, you know, he says Cruden Bay is, is nothing compared to this. I go, come on, Jim, keep, keep it tempered brother. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't set my expectation like that. But, uh, just land, land forms aside and, and golf aside, just the, the, uh, structural way that they get visitors out and the, um, uh, kind of cultural way that they kind of treat visitors, treat locals. And, uh, it's something, it's something that inspired me to start what we're doing at new club. Uh, but that's, that's definitely where I'd point you for trying to figure out that little riddle of, okay, how do we make sure our, uh, local golfers are getting, getting the the play that they you know deserved being part of the community and and then yeah. still welcoming people in they, they they've also had a lot more years at it than we have over here so i bet you they must have had some trial and error probably 200 years ago that they got it in a good in a good place
1: yeah i i, I don't think we're going to get it right the first time but you know we're just going to keep on working at it just so at some point i get it the way that i envisioned it yeah
0: yeah that's great. Um, I want to hear about this uh, King Collins email. So, kind of the the discovery of those gentlemen. I mean, I think I, I just hearing why you picked them makes so much sense to me. Of of hearing what your vision is and uh, them being the up and comers. You know, Rob's been on the the show a few times. He's a good pal, and we do their we do the spring meeting at Sweetens every single year for our group. But what, um, what tell us about that initial email that you sent those guys? How did it come about? Who are you sitting with? and uh take it from there
1: well uh, i was at well old dane hole one and i was talking to my good friend cj Pereira, and he um you know he just asked real quick he he said are you ever going to redo this place or you ever going to build another golf course but i mean what are your thoughts and i said well honestly i, I was thinking about it this year since we kind of put it off for a couple years and he goes well shoot have you ever heard of Sweetens Cove? And I go, no. And he goes, oh, this, I mean, it's got like a cult following, you know, it, it's supposed to be this amazing place. And it was built by King Collins. And I said, King Collins, okay. I go here, I'll let's look them up. And so I just pull out your phone and found their website, you know, hit the email deal. And I said, yeah, I'll just, I'll mail them right here. We'll just ask them a quick question if they'd be willing to come out here and look in Nebraska. And he, he like looked at me and he's like, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? This is what you're supposed to do. You just get a hold of them and hopefully they come out and look at our golf course. <laughs> and he, he was dumbfounded that I would ever do that. I said, hey, I think this is how you're supposed to do it. Because contacting the last, you know, last couple of years, not like Scott Miller, Fazio, Tiger Woods, all these people, he just literally sent him an email. They respond. Granted, some respond by saying, no, we're not coming out or yeah, we'll talk, but it's usually typically over email or by phone. And yeah. the crazy part was Rob next day gives me a call out of the clear blue. And I was, you know, at first that caught me off guard that he would just call me. Usually they respond by email by saying, Hey, nice to meet you. But he just calls me out of the clear blue. And I mean, from that point, I would say it's just history.
0: That's I, I, what I love about that story. And it's cool to hear directly from you. Is I use it as evidence that we are most definitely in our generation's golden era of golf course design and architecture. Because you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of an amateur historian, and I've read a bunch of books. And you know, when these other column course developers, you know, back in their early days, even even if you go overseas, it was pretty much like, Hey, let's write a letter to Tom Morris and see if he'll come up here to Rosa (laughs) Pena. And, and, you know, there's no telephones, but that's what they did. And he'd write back and be like, yeah, I'll take a train next week and, (laughs) and come check it out. And and it's just, uh, I think it's so cool. Will, that you're part of that crop of, uh, golf course developers that, you know, have had success in, in, in business or in life. And, and, you know, they know what they're doing, but they're getting into golf. And, uh, it, there, there's a nice little wave here of people that are doing it the right way. And it doesn't have to be this big, you know, corporate uh, uh, construction project that, that I think a lot of uh, courses were for the last 30 years, you know, using the typical yeah. agencies and names. And um, have you connected with any of those other group of developers? You know, there's just kind of a, a rad crew in their 30s and 40s that are putting together some pretty cool places.
1: No, I haven't yet. Somebody asked me that question the other day. I can't I think it was Tony deer And I just said, no, I I I haven't really talked to hardly anybody um at all. But it'd be nice one of these days to get out to their places and then to come here too. Yeah, just share some more
0: stories probably of, of getting, yeah, getting to the points that y'all have. And um yeah, it's pretty, pretty neat. So you you know it's their first 18-hole design for Tad King and Rob Collins. Uh was there any hesitation in that you I mean, obviously a place like sweeten's cove with all the rave reviews and cult following that that it has it was there's a lot of confidence i'm sure but was there also some like all right we got to see these guys build an 18 holeer uh, w- w- tell me about that kind of like vetting process with with them
1: what i i don't think i was too nervous about anything you know after hiring them i felt like they seemed like they were extremely hungry and somebody's got to be the first person to give them an 18-hole golf course. So we kind of thought, why not a, You know, just let it be us? Um, and I, I never had, I mean, I guess there were times over the three years, yeah, I doubted some things, but at the beginning, I had full confidence they could get it done.
0: Was the, the other architects, I, I believe, had seen the site. And yeah. and uh I think the word was too dramatic, they they said for the land. Is that true? Can you tell us about others yeah. who had seen it?
1: Yeah, I won't say any names, but you know, a lot of them were uh I guess a little blown away of you know, the valleys were two hundred and fifty foot, you know, the the hilltops were pretty narrow, the gaps between the hills were big. Um, you know, it's just the concern was you, you start taking this topsoil off. And you expose this, you know, clay that hasn't seen the light of day forever. And, you know, what's going to happen? Do we have to push the topsoil off to the side, shape the golf course, and then lay it back over? And, you know, that architect did not want to do that just because of time and how long it would take. Um, and then, yeah, the ex- extreme slopes, uh, you know, the the other ones were just concerned of where do you put the holes? You know, how are you going to route it? Um, but, that, you know, to that point, it, it, it is extreme. And the other thing I say about Rob and Tad is the first time they got up there, their eyes just literally went, like, I mean, <laughs> you could see the whites on all their eyes. and And I just, I couldn't believe that they were excited as opposed to scared.
0: Yeah, that definitely describes <laughs> Rob, I mean, the guy is a, uh, a big kid in the best way possible, right? He, he yes. sees the joy in so many things. I think that, uh, I, I, I can't imagine, and I haven't seen it myself, but I can't imagine what he was like in that first moment. Now, when you say up there, it, there's, and I probably can't pronounce this right, but is it Lowe's Hill? Yeah, Lowe's. That's right. right. So yeah. is to tell us about that land form, because there there was another again, Jim Hartzell had a nice article about just the uh, I believe he called it a geographic, a geographic oddity or geological oddity. Yeah. Um, yeah. To tell us about it.
1: Well, it, it all he was really saying was, you know, it's just glacial dis- deposit. And so you got the this glacial deposit that is a bluff that rises about 250 foot from a flat bottom river bottom, which is the Missouri River. And it's on both sides of it, and essentially that's that's what he's saying about oddity—how it just does not fit when you when you come into Sioux City or the you know Siouxland area. These bluffs that you look, you know, right and left, you know, they they just do not fit the landform at all.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So then, then that that's what gives you those
1: clear views out for oh ever you can see the three states south dakota iowa Nebraska. while well, you're on nebraska but you can see three states from you know the clubhouse
0: wow uh and it is big uh, 580 <laughs> acres that is by my calculation four times the typical size of a golf course so uh, the yeah. uh, routing that with the guys so t- tell us a little bit more about you know, watching Tad and and Rob go through their process, and you know what uh, what was that like over such well, a big piece of of land?
1: Well, they, they you know we had an idea or they had an idea where the clubhouse was going to be anyway, where we sat the first day, so they they knew a starting point. At least they had that. But the morning that they got there, uh, I gave them a gator and I said, "All right, you guys, good," because I got to uh, we were still farming, so I said I got to go work, and they said, "Yeah, we'll be just fine." Uh, we're just going to drive around for a couple hours and kind of get the feel. And I said, all right. And so I took off and they called me about an hour, about an hour and a half later. And they said, Will, is there any way you could get us some stakes that we could put into the ground? Because we're already through four holes. And I said, <laughs> what? You're through four holes? And, you know, I'm, I was caught off guard with that. And then I said, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll run into a place and get you guys some wooden stakes. And I get back there, so it's like two and a half hours. And they go, All right, we're through seven holes now. And I go, seven holes? There's no possible way you've routed seven holes and you feel like that, you know, that's that's good. They go, No, we're we're confident. We're gonna go back, we're gonna stake those. And then one more question Do you own the piece of ground just to the south of the you know the far end? And I said, Yeah, we uh, we own that. Um, and they go, Okay. So it's, it's beans correct and I said, yeah, it's soybeans and they said, all right, I think nine and ten are gonna go in there and I go, well, so you have 10 holes routed and they go kinda maybe eleven, <laughs> maybe twelve and I was just like, well, how many holes do you have <laughs> And they wouldn't tell me and then they they drove off. So the rest of the day they they almost got done with the full routing the first day, came back the second morning and uh, finished it off and by that time, shoot their flight was supposed to be four days after that out of there. Cause they were going to stay a whole week and they left the next day. Wow. wow. Yeah, it, I, it it
0: does. It's, it's reminiscent of, again, I'm going to, I'm going to call draw the parallels to the old golden age where, you know, Donald Ross was, was known for showing up, having breakfast, walking the property and then taking the stakes and doing it that afternoon. And that was his his deal. <laughs> Old Tom, same way. He, he had the same process. Uh, and it's almost like, you know, the, I don't know. I'm not a golf course architect or designer, so I can't speak to it intelligently. But it, it, there is, again, something beautiful in the simplicity of a walk. And if you follow oh. the appropriate walk, you're going to find some pretty cool golf holes.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And that was going to be my next next question for you. So they the um, two million cubic yards were moved. When you when you hear that, and anyone that's hey, listening, hey, that-
1: that's a that's a guesstimate. <laughs> we don't know how much was moved. <laughs> I'll I tell you that you. right now.
0: <laughs> Th- these numbers can get exaggerated quickly.
1: Uh, yeah, I I think it could be more or it could be less, but there was a there was a lot of dirt moved. We uh we are we were not like how the sandhills did it it was not found it was moved to get to this point so now, <laughs> let that be a disclaimer
0: yeah and and when you hear a number like that right because it's and it's pulled maybe it pulled from thin air, but it's a nice round number we can stick with but when you hear a yeah. number like that a lot, i think a lot of people think about you know the pete die courses of the world the whistling straits moved three three million cubic yards or whatever i don't know but um but this, to me, and, I, and I'm seeing it in, in pictures now. Again, haven't been in person, but um, mm-hmm. it, it, tell us why. Why Why was it necessary? Why, why was so much dirt moved?
1: It wouldn't have been a playable golf course. I mean, you'd have been going down hundreds of foot to come back up hundreds of foot. All they really did was soften, you know, um, I guess hilltops and valleys. Mm-hmm. They tried to make sure that it was a walkable, playable golf course. In the end, and by doing, I mean by wanting that, they had to move a lot of dirt because their routing is not using valleys or hilltops. It's going over hilltops. It's going through them. It's, um, <laughs> it, it was when we finally walked the routing, and I I could not believe how we we're going to put a golf course there. But Tad kept on reiterating, "Don't worry, we'll just you know we're going to move the dirt, you know." It, it will make sure that we're just massaging the land not like butchering the land so it doesn't look like it used to but we will massage it to make it a playable golf course
0: which i think is so contrary to the courses of yesteryear or you know 80s and mm-hmm. 90s that that almost did the opposite right where dirt dirt was moved to create the the challenge or the uh the idea of uh intimidation or or you know the yeah kind of the kind of the opposite right it wasn't a oh, lot yeah. of it a lot of it was moved and at places where carts became necessary the way that they moved it and this um from all accounts of some friends i've a couple of uh people i know were, were there last week and uh were shocked by the tea or green to tea transitions how close they are uh on a, on such a big property you'd think all right we got to walk you know a little ways between some spots but but uh they said it was just bam bam felt like uh an action movie where you're you're already on the next adventure,
1: yeah their connections you know from green to tea were amazing i mean they i mean there's a there's probably two exceptions uh for a little bit of a walk about a you know a thirty yard walk from green to back tea, but other than that they're <laughs> Some are, you know, five yard walks, some are 10 yard walks, but some are right off the back of greens. It, it was just amazing to me that they could have done that on this property. And then they utilized the whole property, which is once people get out there and see it, you'll say, all right, it's six, you know, 600 acres. It's, it's a huge piece of ground, but they, they meander all the way through it. They didn't just use like a 200 acre section, you know, or, a, you know, half of it they went all the way out to the edge of the property and brought you all the way back and touched most edges of the property. Also, and, you know, inside the property, it was, it's, it's just phenomenal. The routing that they did
0: all the way out to it is. Is it cornfield corner? Is that going to be, yep. is that going to stick? You think, or are there going to be t-shirts <laughs> in the pro shop for that?
1: <laughs> yeah, most likely <laughs> <But> <laughs> That that is the far end of the golf course. And, you know, it just butts up to our neighbor's uh, cornfield.
0: Was that a quick conversation when, when they said, can we have this cornfield for holes nine and ten? Were you are like, yeah, no problem? Yeah. Or was it kind of like, well, we got to we got to weigh the uh, the farm business over, the, you know?
1: <laughs> no, there, there was no question. I, I said, yeah, you can use it, but you know, when you go out and stake it out there, you got to understand, I got to take those out when we harvest it. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. But you know like rob and tad they don't really listen too well they just kind of just meandered out there in their gator and i was like you could have just walked out there <laughs> that's
0: great that's great yeah um let's talk about some of the features uh so i want to hear about the sitwell green what were your first impressions when you saw that thing
1: well one i didn't know what it was um until rob showed me a picture. And, you know, as we were walking the side hill that 7 to where 17 sits, um, as it lays, you know, it, it, nothing was really moved there. But, you know, it was just contoured out to a green. Um, the fairway had to be, uh, we had to move some, well, the hilltop from where 17T is down into 17 fairway. But as Rob was explaining it to me, you know, how big it was, how many shelves, you know, this is what it's going to look like. We were walking, you know, on this side hill. And the whole time I was just enamored that he was thinking of a green of that size in this exact spot, like how he would even think of it. So at that point, I just said honestly, if you know, if we're gonna do something like this, let's just I guess let's just go all out. So really I didn't have any qualms with it. Uh I just, you know, I wanted to make sure it was gonna be playable and you know it would work for growing stages everything but rob assured me tad assured me you know it was possible
0: and and the the grow in on that monster it <laughs> went went all right
1: yeah i mean we're lucky we sodded it and we're lucky we sodded the whole property because the one thing i wasn't concerned about was grass growing i was concerned about washouts yeah. and what you know last year when we were sodding it you know, we, we put down, let's say, 15 acres of, you know, bluegrass on fairways. It would rain an inch in 30 minutes. It would, okay, so where, where the dirt was exposed above the sod, it would create, like, canals underneath the sod. And all of a sudden, you'd walk it the next day, and there'd be these, oh, two-inch wide little cracks underneath your feet. And then you pull back the sod, and it was just washouts just little fingers all the way down. And then the silt would expose itself kind of in the middle of the fairway. And we would have to go back and roll each, uh, you know, sod roll back and fill it in with dirt and roll it back and do that all over again. And if we wouldn't have sodded it, the whole property, that was, I mean, that'd be a constant thing. We, i my opinion is we'd probably still be in the same, I mean, we'd still be probably doing grow in Maybe for open, maybe a year, year and a half is my opinion. Yeah, But it, (laughs) 17, we'll go back to that. Luckily, you know, we got it all down before any big rains happened. Um, It it went pretty well. There was no real issues with 17. But, you know, past the point of we lost, you know, 95% of our greens from the winter this last year because of the winter kill. Mm -hmm. That was the only real crazy part about getting it back to what it is now today, because we had to reseed all our greens this year. And to reseed 17 and to get those slopes um, and get them to grow grass, you know, the old fashioned way, uh, it was extreme, extremely difficult. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, it's it's not for the meek of heart (laughs) to build something (laughs) like what you built in the entire course but i think that that's what crossed my mind too was somebody did it you know and it had and i'm glad someone just like you gave those guys the, the full 18 shot you know someone's going to build the sitwell green which was you know floated through different architecture uh, geek corners of, of the internet um it had to be Rob Collins. It had to be Ted King. Like so, you did. You gave him that shot, man. And so, you're a brave man. I think it's uh, that's probably for me, you know, a bucket list thing to play that green. Um, what are some other ones? What are other? Oh, go ahead.
1: Oh no, I was just gonna say, gales made a hole in one on Tuesday. He had a about a foot away. Come on. So, oh yeah. It uh, members week. I think there was. I think I heard four eagles. Members' week, so,
0: so it's. I mean, what's it from the members' tee? Is it three hundred yards?
1: Uh, so like a members' tee would be two, two ninety two, but the back tee is like three seventeen.
0: Nice. Wow, plays a little down.
1: Oh yeah, plays downhill and typically down breeze. So, you know, you could get there with a three wood. You know, if you're, if you're can carry the ball, you know, two forty, with a three wood you could get there easily.
0: Boy. Yeah, that's that's going to be up there on my list. What are some other features on the golf course that that uh,
1: you've really enjoyed? Well, there's, you know, I mean, the one that's going to get a lot of publicity is probably the punch bowl on 10. I mean, you could take it off the back slope and you could bring it all the way to the front edge if you wanted to. You could use e- I mean, either left or right and it'll bring it right back to either a right pin, left pin, or center pin um you know if we're, if we're just going on green complexes um seven will be very interesting for a lot of people uh i'll just say pat's forehead is what we call it and <laughs> when you when you get out there and you play it and then you see pat our superintendent you'll understand why we it that uh that'll be a very interesting green um but uh features or holes Number two, I believe is, well, it's my favorite hole. I don't, I think it's the best hole out there, but it's a semi-blind tee shot, uh, about a 107 yard wide fairway, three bunkers, two on the right uh, off the tee, one off your left, but fairway meanders around all of them with, you know, a direct avenue right at the hole where you think the hole is at. And you can hit anything from, a seven iron off the tee to a driver off the tee because it's only 360, think 363, depending on the wind. The seven iron, if you hit the seven iron with the wind behind you, you probably only have all oh, roughly a 130 in as opposed to hitting a driver behind you from 363. You could play it over the left bunker, which sits about 20 foot higher than the tee shot. And the ball will cascade all the way down to the green because it falls about 70 foot from there to the green. So, and then the green complex is a boomerang green with a knob right in front of, well, where the boomerang is. And any middle pin, you have to carry that knob to essentially stay on the green because if you hit that knob on the backside, it will cascade it off the back of the green, either into a bunker or, or onto 3T. So it is, yeah, I, I think it's the best hole.
0: I love that kind of stuff. The, uh, th- th- there's a, what's the short par three? Uh, eight. Eight. That, tell, tell us about and, eight.
1: Well, eight is the smallest green by far. Uh, I think it's the second. So what, like
0: 20, 22,000 square feet? Um,
1: <laughs> It might be a little less than that. I think it's like, yeah, I know it's <laughs> that's pretty big, but uh it might be like 17 1800 per foot. I think it is. I mean, it's and the crazy part is how it's angled and how it's pitched away from you uh with all of Jeff Bradley's bunkers around it, which we're calling the Bradley bunch. And if if you get in one of those bunkers, it's not a like a death sentence. You can get up and down, but it's extremely difficult. It's it's a very narrow green. Um You know, like if the wind's up either way behind you or into you cross, you probably just want to honestly punch a little four iron, just keep it on the ground, hit the front edge of the green, take your medicine and try to make par that way. Because if you even down breeze, you know, you try to throw a 60 up in the air. You have no idea if it's going to, you know, the wind's going to take it or knock it down. Because once, like I said, once you're in those bunkers and with a little wind, I mean, you might just want to play to the fat of the green, which kind of is the front, and try to two-putt at that point. But apparently we have a hole-in-one on that hole already. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm still dumbfounded that we have three hole-in-ones in one week. <laughs> That's a good, and good omen. It's a good sign, yeah. twelve, eight, 12, 8, and 7, the par 4 that I just said, has a hole-in-one. Is
0: there? Uh, has a liquor license been procured? Is is the bar sales already oh.
1: up? Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Got <it. laughs> you got uh, you got to have bush light, Nebraska.
0: Is that that's a that's a requirement of all golf facilities?
1: I think that's a requirement. Yes.
0: <laughs> um. Wow. Well, there's. I mean, I could go hole by hole, and and you know maybe that's for a future podcast. Will after uh, we may, we pay a visit, but I don't want to. Yeah. You know go into too much more detail i do want to acknowledge the the crew that has helped you bring this to life at this point uh, are there some people you could just kind of give us a sense of you know who, who was really instrumental outside of rob rob and tad um that created what you guys have now
1: oh you mean you want me to say uh, all the guys on king collins my crew because this could take a while. It <laughs> just—it's so, uh, Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, er, I, everybody that's involved from, you know, the first guys that got here to move dirt, uh, Gus, Charlie, Paul, uh, Eric, you know, Liam, I'm just trying to think, uh, David, you know, all these guys that, that showed up, you know, some were new, some were old t- to King Collins. Um, they did an amazing job, you know, then you go to all the shapers, uh, Jeff Bradley, Mark Berger, uh, geez, Jimmy Craig, uh, Dave Axlin helped for a little while. Um, yeah, I'm going to forget people here. (laughs) Trevor Dormer. I got to say him. Um, but I guess, yeah, for shapers. Yeah. We would not be here without those people. They did a fantastic job and you know they had long hours tough times out there pushing dirt oh <laughs> rainstorms ice storms um but past that point everybody on my crew i mean i could go through all their names if you don't mind yeah Pat, please. joe steve dj matthew montgomery cory uh tom uh sam fletch I'm going to forget some people here. Well, all the crew that was here this year and last year, all the high school kids. I mean, there was numerous of them. Um, and I'm going off on a tangent here. Uh, no, it's good. Just everybody. I mean, it, it was a group effort uh, from the point of Rob and Tad, you know, letting us, you know, put in, you know, drainage, do things, you know, on our own account just, you know, to help the process along, not saying no, no, let, let these guys do it. They let us help out. Um, and yeah, it was just a group effort. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I just, uh, I had to ask just cause I had you know been following along on, on social and just started seeing more names than, uh, than not. And then you're it, just, that realization of what it takes takes a village as, as the cliche goes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of hard work of a few people, but it needs to, to come to life. There's gotta be a, a bunch more. So, um, that's awesome. And, and, and it sounds like you might need some others. I mean, I don't know if you have any open Rex, well, but it sounds like you're running carts, <laughs> serving beers, getting the bush lights in the hands of the, the customer. And I mean, do you need some, some folks to join you? There's a lot of people that work in golf that listen to the show too. Should we get some job apps going your way?
1: <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, <laughs> um, the funny part is some of our members have been helping out during members week. So if they weren't golfing, they would help clean carts. They would help us up in the bar it was it was definitely a fun a fun week
0: well, that's a that that's so cool i mean it has a cultural thing too just as your club your members you know i think not to end the show too philosophically but uh i think golf in america we've kind of lost a little bit of that you know the kind of the duty of a member to uh to promote the course take care of the course take care of you know all their members take care of all the guests you know that that um is why i brought up the UK cuz as i'm reading about you guys you know there's places over there that've been doing that for hundreds of years and um doesn't have to be about anything else but playing golf and and yeah. other other people will support it and get into it well, and
1: you guys uh, Jeff Birch uh who is a photographer just stopped by to uh photograph the whole place but he was here during members week and he came down with his cart and I had like three members helping me wash carts and he goes this is the first time I've ever seen members clean carts at a golf course. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And I know. He's just laughing.
0: <laughs> I know. I know Jeff. Well, too. He's he's a great, dude. Um, oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. And you guys, I mean, I, I think the, the 100 memberships or so that you made available. I mean, those went pretty darn quickly, right?
1: Yeah, very quickly. You know, Robin, Rob really helped out with the national side of getting people interested. Uh, but local side, yeah, on our, it didn't take us more than a day and it was pretty much done.
0: What was the split for your first wave of, of memberships?
1: That Just 50-50.
0: Okay. Yep. Do you guys anticipate, I know you gotta figure out the structure moving forward, um, but do you anticipate more memberships coming available?
1: No, we're gonna keep it at, at 100. And yeah, that that's another thing where, going to have to talk about the off season is how busy we're going to be next year to how much member play, you know, it's going to happen. So that's another little fun thing we get to think about. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, put, put that in the back burner. You got a full t sheet coming up <laughs> and, and you got the mid-am there this week. You got uh, all kinds of stuff happening. Well, so um, I'll let you go. I'll let you get to it. I uh, wanted to say thanks for jumping on this morning and, uh thanks for creating Landman because uh I I firmly believe that like I said we're in that golden age of golf uh and, and people that truly love this game you know we say thanks to people like you because uh building places like Landman just add to uh that experience and give us something to look forward to so just uh kudos to you man thanks my pleasure Today's episode of The Bag was brought to you by our partners at True Temper, the number one shaft in golf.